And by God, if you don't walk in there and have enough confidence to be able to say it, whether you do say it or not, have the confidence to say the same shit that Russell said at the beginning of this episode. Hello, wrenches. How you doing? Welcome back to the Wrenched Earth Podcast, folks. Ten Mill Mastery Edition. It's a show where the lads and I discuss topics that are relevant to today's technicians and service leaders. In today's episode, Russell lets it hang, and we discuss how do you as a technician gauge and ask for your value. Let's get into it. Okay, Richard. Well, this is this actually segues great into uh, my question is because this is always a big question and this leads up into interviews and everything else like that is how do you guys establish your value when interviewing, right? Because we all know you're going to come in, you're going to sit down, especially at the dealership level, and they're going to have a range of pay, right? They're going to have like what they pay their lube techs, what they pay um, for in the States, the C, the C, B, and A techs, right? So your A-line techs or your heavy line techs doing engine repair, heavy diagnosis. Russell is an A-line tech. I'm an A-line tech. Your C guys are the, you know, they're, they're out of the lube bay, but they're not doing, you know, heavy diagnostics yet. They're still doing tires and brakes. They're doing, you know, they, they make a lower, a lower rate. And then you have your B techs who are kind of, they ride that middle, right? They're not, quite there yet to be an A-line tech, but they're almost there, right? So um, my question is, how do you guys come into a situation like that where how how do you argue your value, right? Because we know, we all know a dealer is going to, you're going to walk into a dealership, here's your resume. They don't know you from the next Jack walking in the door and uh, and they're going to want to lowball you, right? So they're, you know, they're going to want to get you at the cheapest rate that they can get you and you know what you can get for, right? So how, how do you guys establish your personal value when, uh, when you're interviewing? Uh, well, since I'm playing that game right now, I'll go ahead and jump on that one. Um, I ask them what their ELR is and I want 30% of it. That. That's that's a, um, I think the best way to put it is that's a big dick energy moment right there. Um, <laughs> I, I think fundamentally, saying that you're worth thirty percent of your ELR uh, can hurt you a bit, but it can also say, hey, I'm confident in my work. Um, if you can mm-hmm. back it up, that's a that's a big deal. So I would here. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I am not going to say how I would do it because I have a little bit different thought process in this one. And this is one reason why I built the survey, gentlemen. I built the registers on the survey so I could start accumulating data so that it's no longer a subjective value. It's an objective value. So you guys all did my beta, uh, my alpha test on the registers on the survey. And since then I've acquired, uh, I'm, I'm roughly 350 technicians into the wellness survey and they're starting to become averages that I can start to look at. I can't dissect by brand just yet. There's not enough and I can't dissect. So that's coming, but there's starting to be trends based on training levels. So this is something that I can speak somewhat objectively on. I've spoke, spoken on this before, but I'll go in a little bit more detail. One, if you are level one trained in your brand level, 
Okay, this goes so far pretty much across the board for every brand that I have that has taken the survey. If you are level one, and if you don't quote unquote know what level one means, level one basically means that if your brand has basic training, basic technical training, so it's introduction to electronics 101, if or, or you know, this is what a ball joint is, basic training. So fundamentals across the board, that's level one completed. Those individuals do not make more than $40,000 a year US, okay? It's almost explicit across the board. They do not make more than $40,000 a year. Level two completed. So this is intermediate level training. This is, this is how you use your multimeter in this circumstance. It's using the multimeter. It's not detailed. It's not going you know, down the rabbit hole of diagnosis. It's how to use it, but told to you in a, in a rough general idea. It's basic skill sets of taking apart transfer cases and telling you what the individual pieces are. Those individuals make up to roughly $60,000 a year. However, it's broken down, whether it's flat rate or alloy, it's pretty much across the board. The, the pay structure makes them make roughly $60,000 a year experience at this stage doesn't enter the equation. So if someone starts in automotive and quickly crushes out their level two complete, they can be making $60,000 a year, year one, pretty much across the board with that, with very little, if any exception. So the big, big void here comes next. So level three, there is almost no one making between $60,000 a year and $80,000 a year. It's pretty much across the board. It's just a big void. And this is U.S. dollars to reiterate. If you have your level three complete in the continental U.S. working in automotive, you are making $80,000 a year or more. So level three complete means advanced level everything across the board complete. So you're talking about heavy diagnostics, electronics. You're talking about heavy engine diagnostics across the board. You're talking about it. But we're talking about basic skill structures completed. So basic systems completed, engines, your powertrains, your, your engines, your diesels, your transmissions, your differentials, all of that complete across the board. It doesn't include specialties where they talk about model-specific stuff, like the, the four of us have talked about in the group chat where we say, you know, a 6L80 has this specific thing that's different from a 6L90, if that's a, a, a code. <laughs> Russell and Richard, you can correct me. But the very specific model stuff, that's plus. And then there's doctor of the house. Doctors of the house make astronomical money above that, but I've only got, I haven't got enough to give you an average of that stuff yet. But point is level three complete. If you are an advanced level, technically trained technician in a brand, they do not make less than $80,000 a year. They make on average $110,000 a year on average, the lowest being thus far 80. So that from an objective data standpoint, that means to me, for those of you listening out there right now, if you are level one, you should be making up to 40, level two, up to 60, level three complete, you can make the sky's the limit, but it should start at 80 as your things roll. And I'll go a little bit more detail, okay? A very good friend, I won't go into hyper detail of his because I'm, I'm sure, but Zach Perkle sent me the pay plan of, of his store to help discuss certain things because he wants to he wants to do better by his technicians i won't say what the individual numbers are but i will say 
if you as a technician like Russell is out there shopping for a new store to work at and you ask the service leader or the fixed ops director, you know, how they pay, I would suggest you should be looking for someone like Zach Perkle because Zach Perkle and their group has level one, level two, level three, level four, level five, level five plus journeyman. They have it broken down by hours produced, zero to 39.9, 40 to 44.9, 50 to 50. They have everything broken down in category. They have it written. They include what the potential bonus on top of that is. If you produce a certain amount based on your uh, pay structure, they give additional to certain things. And it's in writing, broken down, simply. This is the best pay plan structure I have ever seen in writing. This is our benchmark, ladies and gentlemen. If you do not have something like this, you need to seek it out. And then you have the conversation like Russell had. It's like, what's your ELR? So have, what's your experience, Richard? Do you have something similar to what Zach has out there? Or have you had to go out there slinging like Russell? A bit of both. Um, like, so when I worked at Ford, we had a, we had a dedicated pay plan based on, uh, based on experience level. And then uh, before the one group bought us out, we had a, you had your dedicated pay plan for what the top pay was, what the bottom pay was, where, where you were at, what your negotiation was in between there. And then we had a dedicated bonus structure as well. That'll change when the group took over. But again, they came in and they were like, these are the base pay plans. Um, I am instrumental in building the base pay plans right now at the GM dealership that I'm at. I, I'm the one who does the, the majority of the hiring and the firing along with my service manager. We, um, we're sitting down with, with the owner group here pretty soon and establishing what kind of pay rates uh, we're looking at and everything like that for, for going forward for hiring technicians because it's not getting easier to hire technicians, right? So um, that's all working out. Uh, bonus structure is there's is non-existent right now in the, in the store that I'm in. But that, again, that will come down in the future if we continue to, it, not if, but when we continue to build uh, on the months that we've just had, yeah, we're gonna, that's, that will eventually come back and feed back into the dealership, right? So we are, um, I am instrumental in this store with building future pay plans uh, with the technicians, possible bonus structures as well, and, and how they'll look and, and where they'll go from there. But to counter Russell, you know how many stores you ask for their ELR and they they just have like a blank look on their face? They just go. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to hear this number. About, I, can't, I can't wait. About three quarters of them have that attitude. And if that's what they know, I don't want to work for them. Yeah. Are you telling me that, you're asking service managers what their ELR is and they're giving you deer in headlights? Yes. You have no idea how many. So I'll put this in the context. So I've worked for. So when I worked at the the GM store, it was a family run store. The And this I asked the service manager, I'm like, well, what's our monthly gross target? And she looked at me and she goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, what? I'm like, you got to know what your profitability margin is. Like, what's what's your what's your current ELR? What's your current effective labor rate? What's that? 
I'm, I'm, I'm like, what's, what's the percentage of warranty, warranty to customer pay? What's that? The amount, the amount of dealer, like it's, it's a lot different in larger groups where they can't hide that shit, but in smaller groups and smaller stores, more family run stuff, they, a lot of them play that information really close to the chest. You ask to see a financial data sheet. Like I, when I went to my GM, uh, when they, when they sat me down an interview, I'm like, show me, show me a, a financial sheet. And they kind of looked at me and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I want to see the financials. If I'm going to come and work for you and portion of my pay is going to be based off of a percentage, I need to see the financials before I can commit to it. I need to see what your estimated growth is for the next two years. I need to see this projection. And they were like, okay, here you go. And they handed it all to me. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like I had all this paperwork in my hands and I can make my judgment call from there. But the amount of times I've, um, like when I sat down at Nissan and was like, this is what they were like, oh, this is how much the shop pays. And I'm like, I'm not taking a job at that rate. Like, I don't give I don't care if it's got an import label on the outside of the store. I know how much you charge per hour. What's your effective labor rate? And they told me, and I was like, you guys are insane. Like they were paying their, out of their effective labor rate, the top technician pay before I started there was 20.2%. Like for top technician. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. I'm going to come here. I'm going to bring on my experience. I negotiated for a higher wage. I ended up getting up to 23%. Um, but then starting there, then I figured out that the entire store got a raise when I started there. So I was kind of like, well, that was a kick in the ass. But regardless of that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Russell. Like you, there, there are so many service managers out there. You ask them what their effective labor rate is. Or even what they're, what, how many, uh, what's your sold hours per RO? And they're like, uh, yeah, one. If, if, if a service manager, you, you think all three of us have experienced Joe Chambers uh, on SDL. If he had service managers that couldn't rattle off their ELR, their gross, and their hours per O at the drop of a hat, they'd be out the door faster than Barney Rubble. Like it would be, or, or I'm thinking, actually, I got a better one than that. That's that's Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He'd be at the door by Uncle Phil. But these are like now we are all experienced enough to know what these things are. And I think we should probably do like a, a technician's version of teaching other techs what these these uh, acronyms are and are are mean. We could, you know we could do that. Uh, we got to do that. That's that's. Okay, that's going to go on the notepad for later because we can do a masterclass on what this stuff is and teach text to learn what the nomenclature and the acronyms mean and what it means to them and how it represents to them on a, on a much larger scale. Because as a technician, we need to know what those things are, especially when it comes to pay. You know, how do you negotiate and what do you ask and so on and so forth? That's a good well, – Marshall, what, what would you – you know, how would you do this? How would, in your position, like, have you come across the Zach Perkles where they've had structure? Like, have you come across union shops in HD? And, and I know you're not negotiating flat mm. rate because the majority HD is straight uh, hourly, but yeah, where, where's, where's it for you? So, yeah, well, I do the same thing, similar to Russell. I mean, um, I gauge my value from like 30 to 35% of the, the ELR. That's pretty much, uh, what senior journeyman master level technicians are going for the master level the guys that carry oem master certs are going to go for that 35 percent range 
-hmm. And then the high level journeymen are definitely going for 30% of the ELR. So right off the rip, I know that I'm going for that. Um, I always keep in mind that I um, have uh, some other tactile um, skill sets that I am able to sell, like my um, apprenticeships that I do. And and uh, I have other skill sets that I bring to the table that I don't uh, discount. And um, uh, I work diligently to sell those as uh, talents and, and skills that are important to my branch and wherever I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I feel like uh, as a technician, one of the biggest things you can do for yourself to gauge your value, whether it's the value at your current place that you're working or uh, your value going forward, if you're trying to you're thinking about making a move, is that um, we all know technicians from across town. Um, you should be friends on you should network on uh, all the social media platforms. And you should know what the other technicians across town are making because, uh, and that's I'm not, not that's not you always have the to, best judge, though, buddy. You know that. We know that because I know, you know somebody's going to tell them they you, make 70 grand, they could barely crack 50. Well, and, and you have to be a, a judge of character on that, though, right? So, like, I have very good friends that I've known for 10 plus years, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? They're like, oh, man, this shop I'm working at sucks. And uh, and I can uh, know for sure that that's that's probably true Mm -hmm. Um, when, you know, if I got a buddy that's like, hey, man, I just took this job over at Peterbilt, which is, you know, a big truck manufacturer. Um, Say I just took this job over in Utah uh, and they're paying me sixty five an hour. Um, I can know that he's being truthful. You know, that is what he's making um, because I've known him for a long, long time. So. Uh, and he, that, that really happened. He's a master technician. He was making $65 an hour. So, um, you know, uh, I can gauge my value based on, on those things. Um, the other thing is, is I noticed moving cross country that, um, a lot, I hear a lot of chatter in the market about, um, a cost of living and these things and that things. And I know it may be different for automotive, but in HD, Cost of living is not a thing. Um, I can go to the Midwest and make the same amount of money I I made. Actually, I got more money coming to the South, which is a lower income and lower cost of living area. And I make more money in the South than I did in the Midwest, which is oil field and coal country. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the technicians are even farther and fewer between. So that's a tighter, smaller market. I think the big thing about market. the cost of living is it, it might be more automotive, power sports, uh, and perhaps marine-based because marine, they got to be close to water, right? And any right. piece of land close to water is going to be higher value land, higher value, more cost area than those, you know. Right. You, you and egg, HD, and equipment have, I'll, I'll, I'll say, the luxury of – Basically living close, but not so close, right? You can be 30, 40 miles away from the home base, so to speak, because you're mobile. You're not going to home base every day, right? You're going on calls throughout. As long as you're a more centralized area for your quote-unquote territory, I imagine you're going to be better off for your territory. So you can be you can be a little bit more flexible with where you live. Not not very flexible, obviously, because you're not right. working from home. 
but you're you're you want to be central-ish to your total territory. You know, while I was fixing forklifts yeah. and shit, I was not exactly central to where the territories of where we were we spent most of our time in the in you know the kind of southwestern portions of Ontario. You know, I was 45 minutes from my house to my probably my closest call, my closest regular call, right? My closest yeah. regular call, and that and that mattered because it meant that I had to leave early in the morning when I was going there. Or even further, I had stuff that was south-south that was almost, you know, two hours away at times where it would be my first call. I'd be driving for two hours. I had to get up so that I'd be there at a decent time in the morning. Like if they opened at 7.30 in the morning and I was there for their open, I had to leave at 5.30 in the morning on those days. That was a big strain for me. Now, the question, the, the caveat there for me, and this is where automotive is just kind of starting to get their toes wet in in mobile repair. Yeah, I would get, and this is where HD has been for a long time, right? A, a, HD, ag, and equipment have been traveling repair for a long time, long, long, long time, because the shit's too big to move. You got to fix it where it where it fails. So when you travel, there's a stipend that the business pays. Now, different businesses charge different ways. At the end of the day, there's still a travel charge of some description, right? You have right. that travel charge. It might be different than your normal rate. It might not be. It depends on the brand. It depends on the store. Da, 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 da. But of that, if I had to drive two hours, we didn't charge from where I lived. We charged from home office because that's you know that's just where they based all right. the repairs from. So portion of that two hours, so it was about forty five minutes of that two hours, we'd get paid for. So we try to figure out where that happy medium is, trying to be there on time, trying to be there when it opens. Da 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 da. And that's all things that automotive needs to start taking into account when they start doing mobile. That is not to take any valuation away from the technician, but at the same time, it can add value to a technician if you're out there thinking about going into mobile repair as an automotive tech, that if you're capable of managing your time effectively so that you can better benefit the business as a whole and make sure your customers are taken care of at a much higher level because you're capable of going, okay, you know, on Wednesday, I'm going to Fergus. Fergus is two hours away. I don't I don't have to be there for open. I could be there later in the day. Why don't I make a stop in and Angus on the way, which is on the way through. I can do a quick call there. It's a 30-minute service. Then I can go 45 minutes down the road. So I'm going to hit two up, maybe make a little extra on the travel, maybe save a little of money on both. Da, 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 and you know what I mean, right? Mobile repair? Yeah. You get that. The, you get that, the... right? Yeah, with the mobile, there's a lot more um, moving parts when it comes to um, setting your setting up your day. So, like, uh, every Sunday night, which um, I did before the call tonight, was um, I go through my schedule for the week. So, I know exactly I'm, – I'm booked all week long. Top to bottom, I know I can pull up my schedule and know exactly where I'm going to be at uh, on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um so I have to schedule my whole week out. And then on top of that, I also have to schedule my apprentices too. So I scheduled those, both of them and myself for a whole week out. And um, there's a lot more moving parts. And then also um, getting all that time paid. So um, our OEMs pay us for travel time uh, depending. So mm-hmm. some of the engine repairs, we're able to bill some of that to warranty. Um, and then like chassis for my OEM doesn't pay 
so uh, they don't pay travel time. So I have to know, is this an engine repair or a possible engine repair, and is it a possible warranty? And I also have to know, um, uh, is it a possible chassis problem? So, uh, and then I have to be upfront with my customer off the rip of what my cost is if they have to incur that travel time. So mm-hmm. there, there is definitely a lot of moving parts with mobile. And that's all speaking to your value, which is part of the original question, right? How do you value yourself? How do you how do you pose that? We can get into a whole different conversation about negotiation. Yeah, it's yeah. A different story, but how do you, as a technician, value yourself? How do you walk into that office and have that conversation? All of these things that we're talking about, folks, uh, adds to your level of value. If you're capable of managing time at an nth degree, like we're talking about, that's going to add value. If you're capable of of negotiating or being part of the conversation uh, about the business, like Richard's talking about, if you can look at at a P&L and or look at the daily daily take and or look at work orders and be able to deduce what's going on in the day, those add value to your uh, to your income, right? When you look at those ranges, when you look at you know a, a hiring ad that says you know paying from twenty dollars an hour to thirty five dollars an hour. You know, that's 40 grand to 70 grand if you're looking at hourly, right? That's that that's the easy number. And and for those of you out there that don't have the the high level math skills to pop it off, easy math. Easy math for anybody listening. If you see $20 an hour, even if it's flat rate, because we'll we'll talk about that in a second, $20 an hour is 40 grand a year. You basically double the value of the hour and you get a very approximate value of 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. Very, very, very close. It's roughly 2,000 hours. So if you double it, add, a, add the three zeros, you're pretty much good. So 20 bucks an hour is 40, 25 bucks an hour is 50, 35 bucks an hour is 70, basic number. Changes a little bit with flat rate because you have to take into your productivity. If you know for the last year you're a 90% product, productive individual and you're looking at 30 bucks an hour, so 30 bucks an hour would be normally 60 grand a year. Take 10% off the top, like six grand. So that's roughly 54K a year for you. Okay? And so on and so on and so on. As the range exists, we're talking 20 to 35, for example, where do you fall in? Right? So you, you know, the standard answer in coaching sessions, these technicians, like, how do I make more money? Well, the first thing to do is self-reflect. We talk about that all the time. Second one is to understand where your training level is at talked about that you know in the beginning you know the how how where your level one level two level three and so forth if you are high level trained you've got 10 years or better in one brand and you have and you know yourself have drive to do better both in performance and training there's no reason why you can't ask for the top dollar if you are anywhere but advanced level complete training and anywhere but to 10 years or more that's where the fluctuation begins i see i see here and literally have conversation in coaching technicians that are overvaluing because of the market i understand that we are in high demand that does not mean you get to charge an extra ten dollars an hour because of the market you are going to get burned burned fast and blown out the door because Good, high-value service leaders will sniff you out and send you packing. High-value leaders will do that. The poor leaders will keep you around, dick you around, and you will be 
miserable, and you will not make that extra $10 an hour equivalent because they will shortchange you, right? You will be in a mental state where you do not want to be. I have been there. I don't know if I said too much and I did too much and I talked too much game and didn't produce at the time because I was too young to, to really to be able to tell you the truth right now. I don't know, but I've been there. The same thing is true on the other side of the coin. I've been dramatically undervalued doing what I'm doing, both on the bench and behind the desk. Undervalued myself. So I implore you to use the rule. Finding high-value leader first, then everything else comes second. So to answer your question, Marshall, how do you value yourself? Don't value yourself first. Try and find a high-value leader to work for. Then ask all of the questions that Russell and Richard and Marshall have said today. Talk about ELR, talk about gross, talk about uh, all of the you know new and used cars sales. Talk about travel if they happen to be talking about training and going offsite. If you happen to be in HD equipment or ag, talk about how far is uh, the branch gonna be? How often am I gonna be traveling? How often am I gonna be away from my family? Ask these questions during the interview. Ask these questions of your peers in the area, like Marshall said. And by God, if you don't walk in there and have enough confidence to be able to say it, whether you do say it or not, have the confidence to say the same shit that Russell said at the beginning of this episode. Let it hang and ask, what the fuck is your ELR? I want 30%. If you don't have that kind of confidence, at least inside, you're not going to get your value for sure. Awesome question. Awesome question. Russell. Oh no! That's the end of today's episode, wrenches. But as always, there's going to be another one coming next week. However, we have something interesting coming this weekend. I realize it's a much shorter notice than I would like, but July 23rd, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the lads and I, including a special guest, Mr. Zach Perkle, we're going to discuss flat rate. And we're not going to bitch, like many do. We're going to bring up concerns, and we're going to come up with solutions. I'm going to ask the lads to talk about flat rate in the opposite direction that they would normally and there are folks that you know are not very happy with flat rate and there are folks that are happy with flat rate i'm gonna ask them to do the opposite so we're gonna discuss it july 23rd 11 a.m eastern standard time now how do you participate in said event well if you're a fixed ops leader or a service manager of a automotive dealership service department and you have, give or take, 13 or more technicians under your purview, or several stores would be even better, so you have a lot more knowledge of, of the system of flat rate and, and history and so forth, and you would like to participate in the discussion. Not just watch it, but participate in the discussion. You need to reach out to me directly. Leader at justworkhard.com I've already got a few spots filled of some of our family as it were that's going to participate in the chat in the chat however if you would like to watch the event on july 23rd at 11 a.m eastern standard time it's going to be streamed live to youtube and to youtube only why to youtube only 
Because the last time I tried to stream video to LinkedIn, it crashed. And YouTube doesn't. So it's going to get streamed to YouTube. If you don't know where our YouTube is, check out Wrench Turners on YouTube. And you should find 40 or so videos on there by now. Ranging from 10 mil masteries like this one, Wrench Turners podcast, OG posts, Mechanic Minutes, and Coach's Corners. So again, if you want to participate in the live event, July 23rd, 11 a.m. Eastern, reach out to me directly, leader at justworkhard.com to reserve your spot. There are only a few spots remaining. And if you want to watch, you can go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel so you can get notified when we go live at 11 a.m. July 23rd, Eastern Standard Time. Folks, thank you very much for listening to this 10 mil mastery, this wonderful episode that we just finished off talking about wages and how to assess your values and a great way to increase your values. Remember that negative pushes, positive pulls, and always clean your toys before you put them away.